Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Well, you're listening to the sports right here on this Friday, November 12th, Hopefully, we'll have a smooth show here. It's going to last week or so. I mean, as you all know, it's not going to last week. It's going to be a week of tech issues and all kinds of things. But hopefully, we'll have a nice smooth ending for the week. Um, and we'll have some good discussion here. There's some things to talk about today. Um, you know, at the GM meeting, we're coming pretty quickly. Much quicker than we thought. We'll get into that. As far as deals and, and signings go, we'll get into that. Um, so we'll do a little MLB today and we'll throw in some NBA for good measure as well. Uh, one thing that, you know, we're about what, 12, 13 games in now to the season. It's very, very early. But it's enough of a sample size where people are starting to, you know, form some narratives, right? And, and form some opinions on what we're seeing. And there's this growing sense that maybe the Eastern Conference has surpassed the West for the first time maybe two decades. 
in terms of conference depth, in terms of how many good teams they have. We'll dive into that and discuss whether that is the case because I think it's fair at this point to be able to deduce that. You know, I mean, I don't know if you can make heads or tails of some teams right now because it's, it's early, but I think about when you look at the individual strategies, maybe you can, uh, we can, can kind of just look at how many teams are kind of Or whatever, but but there are there is going to be such for consistency, and one of the things I think we've seen really across all sports, what we're going to talk about the NFL, is that there is no consistency from these teams. Okay, parity is a good thing. Okay, a couple different teams this year are, are, are playing well. They make the playoffs. They win it all. If it were that simple, there wouldn't be anything to discuss about it. But it isn't that simple. A lot of this is just teams that are very very up and down. Win a couple. You know, lose the teams you shouldn't lose, you shouldn't be. You know, there's a lot of inconsistency. Let's try to dive into you know, that question, right? What teams should you trust in the NFL? That's not all the time, but we're not going to do that. What teams should you, should you trust? 
Um, so if you like to have your voice on any topic, anything else that's going on in the world of sports, we're going to obviously open up to all your questions and comments and stuff. You can, you can have your voice heard and contribute to the show by emailing us at the sportsbranch.com. Make sure you like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. So you can interact with us, keep us going to show up at all times and have access to any additional content that we have produced. Uh, your search, uh, just search for the sports on Facebook and Twitter, giving you all of that and more. Um, we're going to open with baseball. Uh, because, that, you know, it, it, uh, Jeff Pass and ESPN kind of opened the sports page with a really interesting. Um, an interesting um, um, post uh, about Twitter, I should say, uh, where he mentioned, I won't pull it up right now, um, Months, the answer to what was genuine at the hearing to reveal themselves. The most innocent twist currently around the free agent time. Teams essentially suggested players have a choice sign before the lockout or wait until February when most everyone expects the later discourse to end and have fun navigating the frenzy of signs and trades that were shared in suit. Agents and some of the highest profile free agents this winter. In the meantime, things were just a posture. If you want a player to step up financially, Making surgical free agent strikes, you have projected nine figure deals with more of a possible possibility, though not a certainty, than it did even a week ago. It's not that Boris is trying to hear the starting pitching market, so it's expected to have multiple big name pitchers with pre lockout deals. Um, so, very interesting piece there by Jeff Passon. Uh, if you have any guy, don't follow Jeff, he's, he's great reporter. He's, He gives you a lot of great insight and info. He's always very good at running the pulse of the game. Um, and so that comes from him this morning. And look, there's a lot of things here that are surprising. First of all, first of all, you all heard me on Wednesday. I, somebody asked me, who do you think is signed first? Um, and I said, um, Um, I, I said, 
Miles Corral. All right, is going to set the standard. He is the big linchpin. Now he's got pictures, big fat pictures here, like Matt Turner and Justin Burrow, but they're older. Okay, and this ain't like Jared Tullo a couple years ago or Sam Stratford where they're in their prime. Okay, so they're not going to set the market. They set the market for pictures in a lot of ways, but they won't set the market for the free agent group as a whole. All right, and, and, and really outside the shortstop market. All right. There's not, there's not a whole lot of other talent that's going to set the market. That's why I said the shortstop market is going to set the market, and the top shortstop, which would be Correa, will set the market. The problem with Seager, Seager could set the market, don't get me wrong. He could have. The problem is he's injury prone. He's he, he, he much more than Correa is. And that's why I think Corey Seager is not going to see anywhere near what Correa is going to get. Because people are going to question him, and they're going to say, hey, look, you've been in here a lot. Shortstop, and I'm gonna invest all this money, and you're not on the field half the time. And then the idea that most people suspect in a couple of years he's gonna move to third base. Well, if you don't have a you don't have a third base to move to, and you already have a third baseman on the contract, or you don't really want him at third base, you prefer him at shortstop for whatever reason, that can create the problem. So that's why I think with Steer, there's a there's some factors there that make it hard for him to set the marketplace. And that's what Korea said. To me, it's kind of like, you know, he, I mean, he's, he's a big name, he's going to get a big amount of money, but he came out of the scene only about the, the last year or two. Okay, this, is, this was his big year this year. He doesn't have that track record, he doesn't have that name value right now. He's had one great year. He's going to get big money, but he ain't going to set the market. Korea is, and that's why I was asked the other day, what player do you think is going to be the first to sign? I think it's going to be Korea, because he's going to set the market. Unless a guy like Corey Seager, who has missed a lot of games due to injury, and, that, and, you, and when you read this article by Paxton, this, this, you can make this case because it's, it's there, right? Well, if you want certainty, sign before December first. And a guy like Seager, who might want the certainty because hey, you know, people are going to look at my injury history, they're going to look at me and all these, uh, these potential factors here and say he's not worth as much as Correa, and maybe over time, you know. Maybe for him, it's like, maybe I'm better off signing now before, you know, financial situation changes with the CBA, and I don't get the kind of money that I would, I would have gotten. Because you wait till afterwards, maybe there won't be many teams that want to take a chance on Seager. Uh, you know what I mean? And the same thing can go for Simmons. People can say, hey, maybe, maybe Simmons is not a consistent performer. Maybe he, he just had a really great year. Well, there's a couple years here. And then they say, you know, you don't have that track record. We're not going to, we're not going to, and then and after the, the work stoppage, if there is one, you know, after the CBA agreed to, financial situations change, maybe some more less teams are in on Simeon. And that's the risk you run. And that's why I think, you know, we, we talk a lot about this on Wednesday. Where teams going to draw, draw, draw a line in the sand. If there are any teams out there that say, hey, we can spend some money, we don't worry about whatever's going to happen in this CBA. If there's teams out there that can do that, and maybe some of those teams will say to these agents, look, if your player really wants to stop sign with us, they're going to have to sign before the, before the, the potential strike. Because we're not, because after we come back from the strike, who knows what things are going to be like. You know, we might have other business attention. There's going to be a flurry of activity. The more you get done here, the better. That's the thing to go for trades. You might see some teams say, look, I want to get my, most of my, a lot of my business done before December 1st. But, you know, we're locked out until February. I don't want to have to worry about competing with everybody else and, and, and being in like this 
like uh, great, crazy, chaotic situation, you know, where we're trying to rock and sign everybody and get all our business done, get everybody on the field for spring training, get ready for a season. You know, there's a lot of people here a lot of trying to avoid that by getting as much done now as possible. So I think, you know, we talked about this. Maybe some teams would drive, draw a line and say it. They weren't worried about money and how much they were going to spend and what they were going to do, like the Yankees, for instance. Maybe you see them be aggressive and say to, to agents and to, you know, other general managers around the league, hey, look, we need to make this trade by December 1st. We're going to make it. Or, hey, look, we need, to sign, you know, we need to sign your player before December 1st. We're going to sign it. And maybe that's what's going on. It seems like there is some urgency amongst some, some teams where it's like, hey, you know what? Let's get something done here. Because I don't know if we're going to be able to give you that same offer when we come back from the from our, from potential work job. And I think some players are starting to see that. They understand it and realize maybe it'd be better for them to sign before December 1st. So they have some certainty. At least they come back from the work stop and know where they're going to be. Knowing they got at least a, a fairly good deal. Because there's no guarantee you're going to get that same deal. Now, yeah, there's always a chance you could get more after the work stop. I say, hey, I can't wait around for Korea to set the marketplace. Maybe I'm better off time. You know, market stimulus. Well, maybe you got, you know, I can't wait around before to, 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 for Korea to sign. You know, maybe I'm better off signing before people start to, you know, get, get, turn, turn on me and, and I fall between, between the cracks. And you can make the same December 1st, because I do think one of the biggest starting points with the CBA is to be re-emphasizing starting pitching. Because it has hurt the marketplace a lot. Starting pitching is not prioritized anymore. And it's hurt the marketplace of pitching. So if you re-emphasize the importance of it somehow, then it's going to help that market and, and get the, you know, yeah. starting pitchers in general start getting the kind of contract that they feel they should get. So I did feel like maybe starting pitchers were going to wait and see how things during the potential work stoppage. But then when you really look at the starting pitching market and who's headlining, Justin Verlander, Max Serzer, these are guys that either are older, have had injury concerns in the past, like Verlander was just coming off an injury injury. You know, maybe they don't want to wait. Maybe they're afraid to wait because they, they don't know what is going to happen after this new work stoppage. Maybe they won't have a big one market. You know, maybe they won't, they won't get the financial, the same kind of financial deals. Um... You know, that um, they would get now. Because here's the thing Verlander's not going to get some huge six year deal. I, mean, I don't want to pitch till he's 45. He's not going to get that kind of deal. He's going to get like a one to two year deal at max. There's even rumors out there that the Yankees are going to go two years, 40 million on him, and it just hasn't been confirmed yet. And, and I could see that. I could see that. Max Scherzer, I don't see getting more than two, three years either at his age. So these guys aren't breaking the bank. This isn't like Garrett Cole a couple years ago or Strasburg. So to that end, it's not, it's not the kind 
a market where you want to, you know, like where you got to show guys that maybe want to wait and see. Maybe they want that certainty of knowing where they're going to be. They're older, they're veterans. And we said if they're coming out of the work stop, they already know where they're going to go. They can go right to camp or wherever they have to go and get ready for the season. Instead of worrying about where they're going to be and what they're going to do. So, you know, the more you think of that, the more you realize maybe, yeah, maybe somebody will sign before the summer for Maybe somebody's free Whereas before, we didn't think there'd be that much action. Maybe there will be because they rather have the certainty. I think some teams do too. They don't want to have to have Russell get through all their business in a couple weeks period in February before spring training. They don't want to do that. Nobody wants to do that. So the more you get done now, the better you're going to be. Whether it's trades or free agency. Now, how many free agents are going to Scott Boris' clients? Scott Boris' clients, you're not used to having them. You're not used to that signing quick. Because usually Scott Boris' clients, they like to, they like to, they like to, they like to kind of drain as much. So Boris believes in waiting and, and overpricing, you know, pricing the, the value of that player and you know, he gets other teams involved to hike up the price a little bit. And trying to because yeah, that's his job. He has to get more security for his clients. So normally you don't see Boris rush to get his people signed. But I think Boris even recognizes that this you know, this this work topic looks likely to happen. And there's no guarantee that what the market's going to go look like after we come back. Have injury concerns, are older, you know, and, and you don't know what they're going to get, even if, if, the, if the market plays, is it, it, a, a, you know, a sound market price. You don't know what they're going to get. So people might still poke holes in, you know, well, oh, hey, you know, your, your client's injury pro, hey, your client's 38 years old, you know. So you, you don't know even if the market price should play to your benefit, if it's still going to do that. If it's going to do that, because again, you've got older clients, you've got injury prone clients. Fact that the marketplace is in, is in, is in better shape even after the new CBA. So, look, the sense you get here is that there are some teams acting in urgency, right? And it looks like some players are too. And that would lead me to believe that we will see some signs before December 1st. Big signs. So, you know, I didn't think we'd see too many of that all on Wednesday. I didn't think that. I thought maybe we'd see one big one, and I thought we saw any signs to be off in the middle of the year. Now I think otherwise. This, this makes me now look. Reporters have, inside, reporters have been wrong before about this. I remember going into winter meeting after winter meeting, where people are like, oh, there's going to be a big winter meeting, with all this buzz, all this talk, and nothing happened. So, it wouldn't surprise me if all this ends up not mattering at all. Well, Cashman's usually pretty good. And he's got his, like I said, he's got his, he's got his finger on the pulse of the game. He's got great sources. I trust him. I do believe that, based on this, that we're going to see some big signs. And maybe it won't go the way it usually goes in a situation like this where, you know, that one player sets the marketplace. Maybe they won't see players wait for Korea to set the marketplace. Into the open and, and bid, bid for you. I, look, I think next week's going to be an interesting week because if anything's going to be a lot of the business will have to get done next week. Because the week after that, Thanksgiving, I don't see a whole lot happening that week. And the week after that, you got Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday in the Denmark for the CBA. Now, I could see some things happening right before then, but not a whole lot. So I think 
That's what I mean, that's because you're all five drafts, still. You know, you have to get your ducks in a row. You have to make sure you have room on the 40 man to protect whoever you have to protect. Which means that you see some teams that can trade next week to open up spots on the 40 man to protect their guys. And you see that too next week. But I think next week's going to be interesting. Especially based on the reports that we're getting out of these champions, they almost acted like the winner hands. That's what they acted like. Some, some people went into these meetings with the idea that they didn't have winter meetings because they didn't believe they won't have winter meetings in December because of the strike. So, so I think, you know, it, it, there is a divide here where you've got teams and players that are acting with urgency, they're concerned, they would rather get things done now as much as possible. And there's others that are like, you know, we really can't get things done now. We, we're rather, we, we don't know financially we can take it on. We'd rather wait for like, well, let's see what, how this plays out. You know, if anybody comes to us or if we see anything that makes sense, you know, we'll, we'll do something. So, guys, those teams fall in the middle. Those players fall in the middle. So, it's interesting. I think next week, I think you're going to see some guys sign next week. I think you're going to see some trades next week. In fact, I know you're going to see some trades next week. Teams have to clear some space on their 40 man. Protect players. So, I think you'll see that for sure next week. Um, but, yeah, I, and you know, there were some people on social media, I don't know how true they are, but true this one is, that thought that you'd have that Verlander being signed to be announced today, that the Yankees apparently, you know, are offering a two year $40 million deal that they're going to be announced early today. I don't know about that. But there was a report this morning that said that Verlander, if he don't stay in Houston, that he would like to go to New York. To Yankees. So, I think there's a little bit of smoke there, it seems. Verlander. The Yankees are in a spot where they can afford to take that. Remember, they got Severino back now. And they have pitching depth. They have Severino Vermont. They have Jordan Montgomery. They have Jamison Taylor. And you know, there's Montiel Tanaka coming back, too. So, you know, they could even go with Tanaka, sign Tanaka, sign Verlander, and if Verlander's not ready, you put Tanaka out there. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. They can maneuver things around a little bit. I mean, you never had enough pitching. So, so I think, we'll see. I mean, to me, it looked to me if I if I were to place a bet on the guys, that, I mean, the sign obviously now the passenger player next year might go before Correa. Do I think both Seager and Correa could be signed by December first? It's possible depending on what Seager has. If somebody comes out and blows Corey Seager out of the water, and he does get around, you know, like two seven between two seventy three hundred, then I think Correa could get signed pretty quick because you might see some teams get really desperate and say, "Well, I need a shortstop bad. And then you throw a ton of money at Correa, and Correa's like, well, you know what? How can I turn this down right now? I don't know if this is the pitch I'm trying to deal with after the work stoppage. I might as well take it. So, you know, there's still a chance. I mean, I still think Correa will get the best deal, the most money. But it won't happen the way it normally does, where he get he's the first one out of the gate until the normal change and it sets the market. This might be a case where Seager gets the money. Unexpected, and that allows teams to get desperate. No, Correa's the better player, and he's out there, and they need somebody. And now Seager's not out there; he's the alternative. And then you see a lot of teams throw everything that they have at Correa, knowing full well that we need him, and now Seager's been off the market, and that allows Correa to get started quicker because more teams are being desperate for him. So, I mean, I, is there is a, if you ask me, there's a likelihood that both top shortstops get signed before December first. I think there is now that likelihood. But that could happen. I don't know if it will happen, but it could happen. But I think at least one of them will be. 
after this one, it's not like, you know, it's going to do this to me, you know. So, you know, the short side market, was going to be the driving market in this, in this free agent market, because it could accelerate a lot quicker than we thought. And so could the starting pitching market. If Verlander goes, then you do wonder how quickly until Max Scherzer goes. Okay, first, I think people are going to be at a first shot now. If you have pitching depth, you'll be waiting to, willing to wait for first shot. Same with you'll be willing to you know, kind of go through the process with Justin Verlander. Risk with guys like that. If they're not going to be willing to take those risks, they'll go more for the Marcus Stroman, Max Scherzer type pitchers. Because you know, you know there is injury concerns with, with Max Scherzer. You know what you're going to get for the most part. They'll probably pitch most of the games with Interpol. So, but yeah, it looks like things can get fairly active. Fairly active. And look, I think if I if, if I'm Major League Baseball right now, you know, it looks like a work stoppage is inevitable. We, we, didn't, we didn't want that. We didn't want to just not the positive momentum. You know, but if it, if, but it looks like it is inevitable, right? So if this is what's going to happen, and it's a shame that it is, but if this is what's going to happen, then you know what? Let's get as much baseball crazy offseason before this work stoppage to have people talking. That gives people something to kind of hold on to. Throughout the work stoppage, and then you know, you get to February, yes, because then you don't miss spring training or any other days. Um, and then when that when it does end, the work stoppage, then you got that productivity coming out of it that will get people reinvested and get people talking again before your season starts. And I mean, that would kind of, I guess, help in a way because it keep you in the discussion and keep you relevant. But still, it's a shame that we have to get around where there's going to be a work stoppage. It really is a shame. But it looks likely. And, you know, the fact that Pat even mentioned that most people expected to last till February, again, that's how that, that's all that, what that tells you, what that tells you is this. They really do feel like this offseason would have disrupted the momentum of the season of what happened in the last couple months anyway. And it would have been more like the last few off seasons where things were slow and they were crowded. Because otherwise, I think there'd be a little bit more urgency to get this done so that you don't disrupt that momentum. But I think they know that you know, look, with the, with the current CBA, it's, it's just gonna, it'd, it'd be an off season that was just like the last last year, slow and crowded and and, and uneventful until you know January or so, where people start to have to you know say, hey, you know what? It's it's getting late now. We gotta we gotta make some decisions. We gotta do some things. You know, the players start to sign. That will have been holding out, and then teams start to actually do things because they realize that the season's right around the corner. So that to me, you know, when I saw that, it's like, all right, first of all, there's a little bit of resignation. Like, you really, I mean, do, do we really, really, should we really be putting a timetable? Should we be going into this? Should we shouldn't we be going into this thing? Uh, if there is a work stoppage, let's get done as quick as possible, not just. Because that, the way that that said, I know it's not Jeff Passman's fault, but the way that he said that kind of made me think, well, it's not like they, 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 want, they, they want it to last the whole offseason. Because they, they, they wanted to, there's so many things they want to get through, they also feel like, oh, it's going to be an offseason that's 
If they don't prevent it, it should be done as fast as possible. How? Don't even let it last till Christmas. Don't even let it last for that. But this is baseball. This is what happens. You know, everything is done in the worst possible way, it seems. Um, and look, don't go after... Don't, I, I keep going after Rob Manfred. Look, I, don't, I want Rob Manfred gone, too. I hate this. This is a disgrace. I really do. But this is not all on him. Remember, between the owners and the players, too. You know, it's really more about them and not being able to be adults and be able to, you know, understand what, how to really negotiate deals. Because you look at the NBA, you look at the NBA, and look, there's an old style in all sports, right? But the way in which they deal with each other is so much different than what MLB does. Because, because MLB players and owners don't like helping each other out. And it never makes sense because if you have, because remember, the owners are the reason and the owner's making more money usually results in the players making more money. If the game makes more money, the players make more money. And yet you have players that refuse to do anything to help grow the game because they don't like the fact that in helping to grow the game, you're helping the owners. And yet the owners who don't like the fact that the players keep getting these huge contracts and think that the players, don't, you know, we shouldn't be paying them this this and that's and that's really why analytics have taken off as well. I can use these numbers as an excuse to lowball a player and say, hey, look, this is how much you're, this is how much it's going to work to me. I mean, it, 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 it's a pissing contest. You know, both sides don't like the idea of the other side winning, and it, 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 it's immature and it's juvenile. These are adults, and they're they're adults in a business, and they don't they can't look. The forest is the tree. You know, they don't, they, they can't, they can't bear to even fathom the idea of helping each other, helping each other. Even if they're going to benefit from it greatly. That's crazy to me. And, and, and that's why you, you do not see that in any other sport. You just don't. Don't get me wrong. There's problems in every sport. There's incompetence in every sport. But you don't see these the players and the owners no. One of the other things that Jeff Passion mentioned, this will kind of discuss throughout the offseason. Throughout the offseason. Here it will be a proposal to replace arbitration for a war based system. And An increase you get would be determined by the impact you have on that team. So the more wins, the higher your war is, the better the chance you get, the better the raise you get, right? Because that's what arbitration is. You know, you do arbitration, you kind of work out different amount of salary. Um, you know, obviously, this is the situation until free agency, right? And then you can, it goes beyond that. Um, and again, there's a negative reaction to it because the players don't like being told how much they're worth. And really, you, you, from a human perspective, 
from a human standpoint, you can understand it. To me, this is more than analytics than to me is it is. Because, again, so much of it is based on how much is this player in value to you? How much of an impact did they make? Right? And that's really what it's supposed to be. It's like, well, we, by, by looking at these numbers, war and all these other numbers, we're determining how much of an impact this player makes on our team. But that's not how it's worded. It's worded oftentimes like, oh, well, this is how much you're worth to us. This is how much your value is to us. Based on how many wins you give us a year and all this stuff. It's dehumanizing. I don't like it. I don't like it. It, 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 it just leaves it out of the It just leaves it out of the You think about it. Because that's really how it's being, that's, that's really how these players, this is why I can understand why the players don't like the systems like that. Like, okay, and remember, the numbers can be skewed. Right? You know, based on um, you know, how often you play, where you play, okay, there's a lot of different factors here. So I can see why the players wouldn't like that. And this is this is this is evidence of how much has to be discussed here. And the question for me is this, because there's so many things they have to talk about, like on the field issues, off the field issues, things like this, like arbitration. Um, this time, all this, there's so many things to talk about, how to grow the game, how to improve the game, pace of play, uh, sticky stuff, all of it, all of it, cheating, sign stealing, all of it, right? There's a lot of things to talk about here. They have so much to talk about, and yet here we stand on November 12th, and it doesn't seem like none, neither side in the room trying to figure out how to resolve these things to try to prevent a work stopping. And that's my issue. And, and uh, this happens in a lot of sports. Two years ago, and lost a ton of games last year because you have fans in the stands. It's fallen to what, June? You already lost a shit ton of, pardon me, a crap ton, sorry, a crap ton of revenue. You don't want to lose any more, so once it gets to the end of January, you're going to go, oh crap, we need to get this together. And then you're going to sit there and work everything out that you should have been working out all along in a, couple, a week to ten days, and some one side's going to get screwed over, and the other side's going to complain about that for the next three, four, five years to the next CBA. It's all again. It's going to be mature adults and 
Senate realizing, oh, the CBA is up this year in December. Maybe we should start discussions in like May or June so that we have six solid months to talk to the governor and figure this out. Instead of, hey, let's just assume we're going to go to a strike. That's really what it is. They, they basically are resigned to it. It's like they don't even want to battle to prevent it. I mean, you got reporters that are, are, are certain that it's even going to last till February. How do you even know that? Why should you be so certain about that? Anything big happens, we'll cover it. Um, but I think I think it's gonna be an interesting couple of weeks here as we approach that deadline. And, and the, look, I keep, I, I'm probably one of the few people that hasn't resigned myself to the fact that there'll be a strike. I keep thinking baseball can't be this stupid, they probably will be. But I hope I, I keep hoping they're gonna work something out. I really do. And then we can avoid the strike altogether. But we'll see. It's gonna be an interesting couple of weeks here. Um, it's an interesting. The West. Plus, after last night's Ravens lost to the Dolphins, what teams should you trust in the NFL? We'll talk about that too after the break. You're listening to the Sports Grid on Friday. We'll be right back.
Alright, we're back. Um, we're going to dive in a little bit now to uh, the NBA. Um, and something that you know, is, 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 is becoming an early theme or storyline um, is the fact that people feel the Eastern Conference without a show of the day of the team, the conference. Um, and look, I know it's early, and you know how the hard feel about this. Oh, don't worry about a team struggling to start off the year. Don't worry about a team that's doing well. Don't, don't go crazy about a team that's starting off the year well. It's a long season. You know, NFL, it's, I, I, mean, I, mean, I, I can see it in football a little bit, because obviously it's a much shorter year, right? I still don't get wrapped up in the first couple of weeks, but what, beyond that, you, I think it's fair to get worried, right? But in the NBA and MLB, the NHL, the seasons are so long. That having a bad few first couple of weeks doesn't really throw me, and having a great couple of weeks doesn't really get me over excited. That being said, you know, we're not talking just individual teams here. We're talking as a whole, as a collective, as you look at each conference. And I think after a couple of weeks, it's, you can start to deduce whether a conference is is better than another. You know, or if that is, it's not, you know, you can deduce how deep a conference goes. You can deduce. Weeks. I really do. You know, individual teams, I don't, get, I don't get crazy over one way or the other. But as a whole, like as a conference, I don't think that, you know, I don't think it's unfair to look at it all right. You know, this, this conference is looking better than this conference. Um, I don't think it's unfair to be able to, to say that to a conference. Um, so, when you look at the Well, as they are, fall off. You know that Boston and Atlanta probably jump up and replace them because their teams are the expected teams. So. All right. And look, Washington was in the playing tournament last year, so I think those people are looking to settle into that avenue. And they probably will. I don't expect them to hold on here, but if they do, that makes this conference even better. But let's assume the teams that we expect to do well end up doing well, and when we sit here in April, they're the teams that. You know, we all expect them to be in there very much in, in the mix and in, in, in the playoff run. So, if we go off of the team that we expect to be competitive this year and be potential playoff teams Chicago, Brooklyn, Philly, Miami, the Knicks, 
Milwaukee, Boston, Atlanta. That's eight. A team like maybe uh, uh, you got teams like Washington, Charlotte, who ended up about Indiana, kind of playing for it last year. They could stack them with things. The Cleveland's better than people think, and Toronto is better than people think. They could stack them with things too. So if those teams that are better than people think are structurally better, you know, even if they don't end up in the top eight, they could still stack in things like the play tournament. They could also stack in. And that shows you how deep they are in the conference. Like those teams are better than seven. I think there's about 11, 12 teams that are pretty decent, in theory. And you got the eight teams that make the playoffs, go forward in the playoffs. And right now, they look better than any eight teams we've seen in the last two decades in the NBA. Because normally when you look at the East, there was a time of what, maybe like what, six, seven, eight, nine years ago, where the East was really five teams and everybody else was under 500. Now that's not the case. And in those years, you were lucky to get two teams you thought could maybe get to the NBA Finals. Maybe one team that you were lucky to win. Now that's not the case. You look at these right now. We all feel like Brooklyn can win the championship. We all know Milwaukee can. There's something that made Miami perfectly capable. People feel like if Kelly gets back, you know, Ben, uh, uh, ben Simmons back, that's actually the sentiment that once they don't get better, if not Ben Simmons, they're going to get another piece, then they could be another one. That, I mean, that's what, one, two, three, maybe four teams that win a title? And you got other teams like Atlanta, like Chicago, that could be Boston, that could be that next tier team that could make the unique and have a bunch. What's Contrast that with the West. Now, obviously, Golden State's on the upswing. They're having a better year this year. They're solid. They're off to a great start. Phoenix has settled in. They're off to a good start. They were in the mix last year. Utah has settled in. They're off to a far start. They were in it last year. Then you got a team like Dallas, who's maybe a little bit better, but it seems like they're settling into what they were even last year. Denver, who's been in it the last couple of years. Clippers, who've been in it the last couple of years. Lakers starting to get good. Memphis. Um, in that familiar. Right? So when you look at this, there's a lot of familiarity. These are a lot of these teams are all the same teams that have been in the last couple of years. And right. you got Portland, Sacramento, Oklahoma City, San Antonio, and around the outside of they've all kind of jumped in and out of the of the top eight the last couple of years. So there's nothing new in the West at all. Nothing new. You know, all teams over the last five years or so have all made them factors. Well, how many of those teams are legitimate championship contenders? Anybody start to say Golden State is? Just because they play Thompson back like that is. I think it's fair to say Phoenix is. I think it's fair to say that yeah. uh, the Lakers are, the Clippers are. Well, not right now, but when they get Kawhi Leonard back, there will be. And then I think you you look at is Denver. A lot of people feel Denver is. Some people feel they're a piece away. I don't think most people. I don't think people feel Dallas is. I don't think people feel, you know, Memphis is. So when you look at this, you got how many title contenders in the West? Golden State, Phoenix, Clippers. If they get Kawhi, like if they don't, then you take them off the list. Lakers, that's it. Four. Now, you, you want to include Denver? Um, then that one, that makes what, five? 
Again, the Clippers are tentative to try to get Kawhi Leonard back. So, three, four, five, right? Because the Clippers and the Giants are kind of like asterisks. So, the East has how many? Brooklyn, Miami, Milwaukee, and then Philly. Yeah. So they're about equal in terms of championship contenders. How many teams are legit Eastern Conference? How many teams are legit Eastern Conference? Oh, we just do a Western Conference or not? Western Conference Finals. We said there's about what, six or seven teams that can get to their Conference Finals. Including teams that think are championship so the West, is just said there's what, four or five top championship contenders, right, probably, if, if you include Denver and the Clippers, which again, they're kind of, they're not really solid picks, but you could put them in there. Honestly, I mean, what you add into the West three top, Albert Dallas is capable of getting to the Somebody asked about it. I'd like you to throw it here before we move on. 
Chaos is probably depending on what happens with Darth Vader. But if he comes back to play, he's either going to be a contributor, or they trade him and they get something that they're going to contributor. So apparently, Ben Simmons and his agent have come back and have gone off on that. By trying to force him to come back and play, um, and, and 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 look again, I, I'm not going to the, the full specifics. I'm basically paraphrasing, taking and taking one of the statements that everybody does that. Let me just say this: obviously, we now know that Simon has a mental health issue, and that's something to play around with. Okay, that's just some harsh things. I already took him back and apologized for him because again, nobody really knew that he really had a legit issue until recently. I understand that Ben has autism, and I understand that currently there's an issue with Philadelphia. And a lot of people think what it is, is it just, a lot of people think what it is, is it just doesn't want to play in front of his own fans. And I can understand that, but that's what it is fine. If it's about more than that, then okay. But here's the thing. The, only, the Sixers have been more impatient with this guy. They gave him the whole summer to figure things out. You know, they, they, they gave up on signing him once he had that meeting with them about the mental mental health. They've been very patient. All they asked for was to be kept in the loop by his doctors and to know what's going on. And, and look, they have a lot of money invested in him. He is an employee. He has a responsibility to let his employers know what's going on with him and make sure they're in the loop. And I understand if you don't want to be there anymore, that's fine. That's fine. But the only way that this is going to get any resolution either he's going to stay there or he's going to be traded somewhere else is if he allows, if he cooperates with them and works with them. Right now, he's an asset that can't be moved because people don't know what the hell's going on and all they see is a guy that refuses to cooperate. People understand that Ben Simmons has a situation going on and he has to resolve it and he has to get better and he needs to get help for it. But that doesn't give you the right to be uncooperative doesn't give you the right to basically sit in your employer's face and say, you know what, you're, you're, you're just doing this kind of force to come back and play. They were going to force you to come back and play. They were going to never stop signing him. They were never saying, okay, take all the time you need. Had all the t- they had to think about social media and support him. They had bought a bit over backwards for this guy and kissed his ass. Even before all this. They coddled him to the point where they went to play with Jimmy Butler go. That's all this guy has done is get everything he wants until now. How much do you want the Sixers to do? How much more support can they get? All they asked of you was to keep them in the loop. Yeah, they were there they confirmed that you used their doctors. Yes, why? Because they didn't know what's going on. They don't know what's going on with you. And your doctors are letting them know. They have a response. They 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 have a right to know. They don't know all the details, but they would like to know where you're at in your progress. They have a right to know.
You want to use your doctor's fine. For this guy. Everything in their power. At what point do you look in the mirror and I have to start doing my part too? Now his part right now, the only part what he has to do is get better and get the help he needs. And that's what we all hope for him. I hope he gets the help he needs. But I don't see, I mean, to say that the six to kind of force to come back and play and act like they don't care about your mental health, they didn't care. They, they were Come on now. They didn't act this way that they have. The only person that's made this situation more difficult the whole way is Ben Simmons. If anything, the only thing the Sixers have done wrong is delude themselves into thinking they can salvage this and they can just stay here. They, I mean, stay right here, I mean, with themselves into thinking. That's the only thing I think they've really done wrong. Is the fact that they, that they still delude themselves and thinking this could have a happy ending that he can stay on that team. That's it. And this dude did get old. I get the six, I get what the Sixers want for him, I get it. But they're just gonna have to figure out, I mean, he's not gonna just continue to lose. Because this back and forth is, 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 is tiresome. It's, it's actually beyond that at this point. And, and, and if this is really affecting Ben's mental health as much as it is, we're throwing the way they're throwing hair on this, then, 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 you know, then force, try to force him into a file or something. I don't know. But like, you know, he's not helping matters either. He's not helping matters either. And again, I want him to get the help he needs. I hope he will be okay. But just because he's going through something doesn't mean that he can't be, he doesn't be able to stand the other side of this and understand that the Sixers have a right to know what's going on. And you have to keep him in the loop. And you have to cooperate. If you can't cooperate, then you're making the situation more difficult for them, which is also making it difficult for you. Speaking of Starting to look up. Cowboys, who was more weird, they lose a, 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 a,
No, they don't, don't miss the beat. The Cardinals don't have Kyle Murray, but they don't miss the beat. The Rams get better, they get Bob Miller, they get Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, and, and now they're probably one of the few consistent teams along with Arizona. If you really look at this, Arizona and the Rams have kind of risen above all of this. Right? And maybe Joe wants to be Green Bay because if Aaron Rodgers was playing last week, he wanted they were to be in the team. So you look at those teams, they look like they've risen above a little bit. But everybody else? It's not they. You know, you wonder about a little bit. They start off so well, but even they took a hit losing to the Saints when they did last week. But I still think it's, I mean, for the most part, I want to say Tampa Bay's risen above it, and I think you can say that. But otherwise, it's hard to tell with these teams. The Saints all have an okay record, but you just don't know if we do it for different games. They have a Winston. Browns and Bengals have both been up and down. Steelers have been up and down. Ravens. I mean, they should have lost the Lions in week two. They each have had two or three more losses. Colts have been up and down. The entire AFC has been up and down. So, it's hard to really Into them as a as a, 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 a reconsistible contender. But can you buy the Steelers, Ravens, Bengals, and Browns as a championship contender? I don't think you can. Not right now. Can you buy anybody in the AFC West? I, I think you buy the Chiefs by default just because you know if they get things right, they could. But I don't, but, but that, I don't think you can do that right now because they haven't even gotten close to getting themselves back up to a level where you feel comfortable about. So I don't think at this stage you can. Based on how they played this year. The Chargers aren't ready for that the spotlight yet. Raiders, no. Broncos, no. Cowboys, no. Everybody hasn't approved that yet. Patriots, no. What about the Bills? We buy them. Well, up until a week ago, I probably did. But to see what we saw on Sunday, I don't 
one game. But to all of that pain, that awful Jaguar thing, to not come to not being able to figure out a way to to get more to get more to six points to beat them. That's hard because again, I mean, I said this last night. I'll say it again. That was a complete. One day I'd be embarrassed. I, I would, honest to God, honest to God, you know, if you could bench the whole offense in that game, I would have done it. I would have done it. They didn't show up. That's a focus. That's either a focus issue or that's a locker room issue. And either one gives you pause. Because they didn't have that last year. That team was completely focused last year. And at the beginning of this year, they didn't have that problem either. There's a rough start against the Steelers. We can chalk up to maybe this being week one, right? And how do they lost that second game? They lost to a tough team, and again, it was a close game. But to win that game to Jacksonville, that's worrisome. So, Buffalo, two weeks ago, was a team I would trust right. Now I don't. So that means you what? Three teams? Maybe four? Buy into either Tampa or or um, Tennessee, and both those are on the asterisk right now because Tampa's banged up and Tennessee don't have Derrick Henry. So really, it's, it's three reliable ones. That's I mean, look, parody's parody, but that's got to be the lowest amount of teams to trust in the NFL in terms of potential contenders. At this point in the season, that I can ever remember. And why is that? Why are teams like this this year? Is it injury? In some ways, it is. Obviously, with Tennessee at Derrick Henry, they were you definitely having on the first way that they played before he went down. If Tampa Bay wasn't so banged up, we definitely have him on the first right now. If the Ravens, you know, if the Ravens, you know, had done what they should have done to the Dolphins last night and done what they should have done to the Lions, we definitely have him on the first right now. If the Chiefs were like the Chiefs of last. Definitely have on the first right now. But they're not. And, and again, injuries are an issue. A lot of it could be teams making adjustments. A lot of it could be other teams getting better. And those other teams getting the same or got worse because of personnel changes. It's hard to pick. But, but, the fact is, as we head into week 10 of the NFL season, much like a lot of other sports, like the NBA this past year, or the Major League Baseball this past year, too, you're seeing a lot of inconsistent play by teams. And as you read, There's a couple teams that rise above, and everybody else is kind of behind. And the question, the question is, can any of these teams pull themselves out of it and get to that top where you feel good about them? And there's a few teams that can. You mentioned Tampa Bay. You mentioned Tennessee. Because Buffalo 
And really, all it is is the Cardinals, the Rams, and the Packers. And that's what the Packers like, should be on Sunday, not the next Sunday. You trust what you're going to get with those three teams in this game. You know what you're going to get. The other ones, you don't know what you're going to get. If Tampa Bay gets healthy, you'll know what you're going to get with them. You'll have them to it. Tennessee proves they continue to win as close as they are about their integrity, then you'll know what you're going to get with them. If Buffalo goes off on the street, then you'll know what you're going to get with them. Uh, I'm sitting down and watch a game and going, all right, that's what I expect out of the Tennessee Cardinals, or the Buffalo Bills, or the, uh, say, or the LA Rams, or the Green Bay Packers, or the Arizona Cardinals. That's what it's about. There's not a lot of teams that you can say this year and go, I know what I'm going to get from that team. And that's why this topic was brought up. Like I said, this is something that's been going on in all sports. That's the question that you have. Be on MLB this year a lot. Just a terrible loss. For a team that's vying for a top spot in the NFC. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I want to hear from you. Your thoughts, questions, reactions, comments on what's going on in sports and the NFL. Uh, discussion we had. What's your thoughts on that? What um, teams discussed in the NFL? The NBA discussion we had. You know, do you think the East is better than the West right now? Um,
All right, we're back. So let's, again, hammer time your mind on this Friday. Um, we talked, we had some interesting topics here on the show. Where we did, you know, we talked about the NFL and the NBA and some of the players in the offseason and the draft and all this. Um, I'm looking at the Ben Simmons thing. I completely understand that he's dealing with a mental health situation, but at the same time, it doesn't preclude you from hearing your responsibilities as an employee of the Philadelphia 76ers. The way he's choosing to handle this was all wrong. And it, he was thinking he would understand that and understand that if he really wants out of Philly to handle it better than he's handling it would obviously give him a better path out of that out of and make him look better along. With that being said, how long do you, how much longer do you think this saga will continue to play out? It's obviously how much longer anyone's expected. But, but at this at this at this pace, it looks like it's play out the entire season. Will this sit out? You think that's possible? Also, as far as the East versus the West goes, I still think the West is better. You look at the top ten of the top teams in, on, on the Western team compared to the top ten of the East. It's clearly the West is better. No question about it. Uh, on the Ben Simmons thing, real quick, your first question. Um, I don't see. I, I, don't know, I think it's a play on this one. So who the hell? Could go the whole year at this point. I mean, Ryan had into the And it doesn't look like there's any signs of being involved. And I guess now you could at least conceivably say that this could play out at least until the trade deadline in February. And then I don't feel like. It, 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 I almost feel like there may be pressure at that point to get a resolution to it because otherwise, then you're pretty much waiting for the season. Because at that point, after the All Star break and the trade deadline, you have the playoff push, the playoffs, you're not going to watch the Jewel fans at that time. Then you're right back to the offseason. And then, so, so basically, if you don't, if you get to the trade deadline, it's going to hold you. It's going to hold you. So, you know, I mean, look, if, if this, I, I, I'll say this, if this is past Christmas Day, then, then I think, it, I, I think the chance of this going the whole year are possible. I don't know if anybody's going to make a deal at the deadline for Ben Simmons. I really don't. So, you know, I almost think that something, it's decides whether the game's harder thing has to be done sooner rather than later. And if it doesn't, then it's the offseason. But for the Sixers, that's going to really hold them back in terms of playoff pursuits. So, you know, if I'm the Sixers, I'm, I, I, I'd be asking for urgency here to get this resolved. But, you know, I guess there's only so much they can do, and Ben's being uncooperative. So, um, and as far as uh, the question about the East and West, I mean, I guess I can see your point. Um, to an extent, because obviously, look, you know, Brooklyn's got the big three. Milwaukee's got Giannis, Middleton, Holiday, but don't you know Middleton and Holiday are a drop off from Giannis, obviously. And then after that, you're right. It's 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 you know Chicago is not a championship level contender with the talent they have. Um, you know Sixers don't have even and, and Tobias Harris. You know, and those are like the top ten, right? That's a legit right. So when you look at the West, Lakers, Davis, LeBron, Westbrook, Carmelo Anthony, and Mahomes. Um, Golden State, Stephen Curry, eventually Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, all the players that they're great bench and all the role players they have around them. Um, Denver, Jokic, Murray, uh, Russian Clippers, they get Kawhi back. Devin Hill, Kawhi, Jordan, people they have around them. Um, let's see who else are we talking about. Really can't contend in the West. 
Oh, Phoenix, Chris Paul, Aiton, um, um, But you're right. I mean, on paper, the top West teams do have more talent than the East top teams do. But I don't think it necessarily makes a conference then. To me. I mean, it makes your championship contenders better, but it doesn't make your whole conference better. Um. How much of the parity across sports that we're seeing? A lot of guys were out of routine for quite a long time. Workout routines, gyms, working out, training them, playing the games, playing the sports and games they love. You lost a lot of time there. I still don't think a lot of guys have recovered from that. Of course, all these starts and stops because of COVID, where guys are in and out of the lineups, in and out of the roster, based on quarantines, etc. To me, until this pandemic is completely over and, and you no longer have guys having to quarantine, and guys having to miss games to the Fair point. Um, because I mean, people tend to say, okay, yeah, a couple months where nothing was happening at the beginning of this, right? But then you think about it, everything was disrupted. Even when sports came back, you had guys in and out of lineups, you had guys quarantining. I mean, look at the NBA matches. There's some guys that were in and out of lineups four or five six times. And how much training do you have? How much practice do you miss? And if you did get COVID, how it affected you from a stamina standpoint, from a conditioning standpoint? I'm going to take a long, long time to come back. Yeah. You know, and not having fans to stand, how that impacted things, you know, how, they, how difficult things are now to get around, right, travel, all the restrictions, all the things you have to go through for play, testing, all this stuff. I mean, yeah, I mean, all this could play a role in why some of these, you know, certain players are performing differently, certain teams are performing I mean, it's impossible. I would think this year there'd be less impact than last year. But I guess it could still be playing. When I think about what's going on in the NFL, what I see is a lot of one-dimensional contenders. It can't, it can't, it can't be coincidental that the three teams that you said are the most consistent and the ones you should trust are the ones that have gotten the most complete. When you look at other teams, they're not really complete. They're very one-dimensional. They're either good on one side of the ball or not okay, and not good on the other. Or a lot of ways on their on their offense, they only have a few playmakers and not nearly enough to be a consistent a player. Uh, consistent player in terms of the standings. Um, do you think that, that, that that's part of it? That's not, not much of a 
or do you or do you continue to maintain it simply about more or less injury and it's a personnel change personnel change that you're gonna make? Um I Um, I mean, I guess, I mean, look, the Ravens are very one-dimensional, the defense isn't as great. Offense, whenever you have a quarterback like Lamar Jackson, you can't even Michael Vick, you can't even Robert Griffin III. Yeah, it's great that they're super athletic and they're explosive, they can run the ball, but sometimes if they're passing, they're not as good. They're not that kind of player. Um, so that, you know, that, make, that can make things difficult. So, yeah, I mean, you're right. Maybe that could be an issue with the Ravens, right? Because sometimes Lamar can um, you know, the Colts, you know, I think are, could be a complete team, but Carson Wentz is always a complete performer. Um, you know, Buffalo should be a complete team. Maybe they will maybe they'll be just a couple of on the radar last week. We'll see. Tampa Bay is more offense than defense, but we told you last year that they didn't have done defense. They haven't done it so much this year yet, but it could happen. And who are the Chiefs, right? Um, you know, so I mean, yeah, that could be a part of it. That you have a lot more teams that really aren't balanced. And they're not complete teams. Um, you could, yeah, I mean, you can make that case. You can make that case. I, I, that's a fair thing to say. Um, I think that's one thing you could throw in there. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, and you're right. Arizona, the Rams, the Green Bay Packers, Green Bay defense isn't that good. They have enough there that they're they're more of a complete team. So yeah, I mean, that's fair. I, I like that. I like that. That's fair. That there may be some of these teams that's very one dimensional or not balanced on both sides of the ball. I, I, I can't really say any more about that. I, kind of, I do kind of agree with you that that's a big factor. And you see more teams that aren't trying to be good on both sides of the ball. You know, they're more they're, they're loading up on one one particular aspect. Like you see the Chiefs continuously loading up on offense. You know, you see, you know, you see, um, um, the, uh, um, uh, the Ravens kind of doing the same thing. You see, um, the Colts kind of doing the same, the same thing. Yeah, I mean, I can see that. Whereas, if you look at the Rams, they made two big deals. And one was on defense, one was on offense. You know what I mean? Balance. Balance. Arizona did the same thing. They made a couple of moves. They filled some holes in offense. They filled some holes in defense. Got better on both sides. That's what you got to do. You got to balance. You got to balance. At the very least, you know, we got to be an offensive team. If you're a defensive team, you have to have an offense being put up at least, at least a, good, a fair amount of points to be able to sign on game. So, I mean, there's ways to look at it, but, you know, I feel like you have balance. And you're right, there's, there's, there's fewer and fewer teams that are really balanced. You know, I go back to even five years ago, there were a lot more teams that were balanced. So, I take two more. Um. What do you see the market being for, a guy, for guys like Max Scherzer and Mark Stroman? So, so much on Stroman, how short of a term, 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 how short of a
He's not up. Um, how was I going to go beyond that? He's not that kind of pitcher where you can go beyond that. Um, now, Max is interesting because it depends, it really just depends on how long he plans to pitch. You know, he has had issues with his back, he has some arm issues this whole season, and that kind of, kind of comes up from time to time. I mean, how long does Max want to pitch? If I'm, I'm, I'm guessing maybe not more than two to three years. So, the two to three year thing, you know, you get very close to what Brian Anderson gets. You might get a win. Why, 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 you're paying for the talent of Verlander. So, I, I think they still be the same anyway. So, I could see Max getting anywhere from two to three years at 40, 50, 50 million. Something like that would be fine, I think. You know, I think that's, what he, that's about what he would get. At his age, I think that's generally the, 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 the ballpark. Um, you know, there's going to be people saying, well, yeah, he's got to come off a major injury. Why would people say he's right? Because that's the, that would be the value at his age. And, you know, given the concerns you still have about injuries. Because even though he did not come off an a bad injury like, like Verlander, he has had injury issues with missed starts and stuff. So you, you're, you're accounting for that. So I, I don't think it, 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 it should be in that same ball. So yeah, two, three years. You know, I mean, two years at 40, almost the same as Verlander, would be reasonable for Scherzer. Yeah, Scherzer. If he gets a third year, that could see it being more than that. Maybe he gets 60. It's actually year 29. Two years right off there, so yeah, it depends how long he wants to pitch. I really don't see him pitching longer Like that, maybe it's set up before Christmas. How do you think that would impact his offseason? And second question. Assuming there's a strike that lasts all the way into, into February, and a lot, a lot of the premier free agents are, are signed before the strike, do you see the trade market being fairly active after that? Um, okay, the first question. Um, depends on what the CBA is and what's in it financially. If, if it's a financial deal that um, helps the small markets even more that already got to help, then, you know, you can see some pretty, a, a pretty good amount of activity because they might jump in and pick it whatever's left over in the free agent market and pick it up pretty quick. But that gives them pretty aggressive moves. Uh, because they have more money to play or they're building on more money to play Um, Otherwise, I, I, you know, it could be something where you don't see a whole lot of activity at all because you know all the big teams have had the money already spent it, and the small market teams just don't feel comfortable enough to spend, so they so everything kind of swells to a crawl. Even though you know you'd be happy to see the year was done, you know, if it's not something favorable that they're without more teams spending money, then you won't see much activity. So I could see, you know, that, that all depends on what's in the CBA. Um, now to your second. Um, I guess, again, it just depends on what's in the CBA, right? Because, I mean, I mean if you're still a free agent, 
here in the small market is still comfortable enough to pay. I think a lot of big market we're trying to send out. Maybe the worst case some of these free agents off the market quick. Um, so I think that is a lot of the things that we got. What we left to spend would be the small markets anyway. Um, yeah, it depends on the CBA. If they're still comfortable enough to spend out the new CBA, then, then you might, you would, you know, then maybe you see still some more activity on the free agent market. Now, if there's not a whole lot there, because maybe you can build lower tier guys that picked up, then yeah, I think the trade markets are a good place to play, providing, you know, financially, some of these teams can, can, can be handled and take on money and, and move stuff around. But yeah, I think it could, I think, look, if, if, if the free agent market has is, is been kicked over, then yeah, the trade market's going to heat up, but there's going to be teams that have to fill holes. <laughs> so, that speaks for itself. And also keep in mind too, that whatever that CBA is, you know, one result of it could be that teams want to cut Sarah even more because they were just about to pay down. And there are already teams that felt like they have to cut Sarah. I think it's one of these where Oakland is blowing things up a little bit too. Yeah, and the fact that I think they feel like they've got everything they can to stick with this team and they can win the call. But but like there might be some teams that even after this, you know, this new CBA, they feel like they have to cut Sarah based on it. So, you know, that could pump up the trade market, too, where you see teams say, hey, I'm making these guys available, I'm money, and then you see a lot of trade activity based on that. That could open that increase in the trade market, too, not just the fact that a lot of the big free agents or a lot of more notable free agents have been turned. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I could see the trade market being very, very, very um, interesting coming out of the strike. Um, regardless of whether there's a lot of free agents. Alright, we're going to take one last break. We come back and wrap things up. We'll be right back. I'm looking into several options, um, several different places 
individual app. Yeah, I was happy. I don't know which one I'm going to go with yet. Um, I was hoping to make a decision, but I found a couple other ones that I think would be even better for us. Hopefully, I'll, I'll, I'll start picking the weekend, hopefully I'll make a decision by early next week. Um, but just know, we're going to have to go with something on our own, because that's the only way it's going to work. Um, so stay tuned, we want as many times as to come. I know, trust me, I know people prefer to listen to us out of the app, when they miss an episode, but for right now, we just have to go with that one. Um, as, and I hope we have an update. Well, that's not okay. so the ways to listen to the show, you can go to our main host on Speaker.com. Search for one of our shows we only have a Facebook and a Twitter. It's only for one of our shows, the sports. All of our shows go through the sports Facebook and Twitter. So please do keep that in mind. Just search for the sports on Facebook and Twitter. And when you do that, scroll down to whatever the date is of the episode you're looking for. And you'll find a link on, that, on the post for that date, the Facebook post that you're tweet for that date. And it'll, have, it'll be labeled whatever episode that is, whatever show that is. Um, so that's how you would do that. And again, I always post live links to the shows before. Um, when they start, so whenever we do whenever we do a live broadcast, uh, there's always a post on social media, some automatically some posted by me. And of course, if you're on Twitter.com, you listen to us live. Um, then anytime you go on to our show page, whatever one of our shows, sports page, local whatever, you'll see a live link there for different content. Um, but obviously, we still have to start on Twitter and our show page on Twitter.com and on our social media We have our social media, so utilize those means to support the live or an archive anytime you want. Um, so please keep all the information in mind. I know people hate that because I'm going to mention every show. The best way I'm not going to, I just feel like, you know, every show, every, every show also we're adding new listeners. And I like to explain things to them so they know what's going on. Cutting down the repetition, don't worry. Um, please continue to submit your interest in regards to being involved. Or any way you want to be involved. Um, we, we've had some great submissions so far. So keep them coming in. We'll keep doing this for another couple of weeks. You guys will probably cut it off. But if you're interested, please continue to submit your interest in either Facebook or Twitter. In addition to that, you can always suggest things to us um, about different topics you want us to cover, cover more, cover at all. Any suggestions on what things we can do with the show, questions about the show, scheduling, watch chat for some general, but anything that's coming on the show, wrestling or podcasting even. Or just talking to somebody. I, I, I'm not a therapist, but you know, if you're bored and you know something interesting you want to chat with us, feel free. But I'm not trolling or being disrespectful. Shoot us an email, shoot us a Facebook post, shoot us a tweet. 
um, that won't me or anybody else that is involved with the show. So, um, feel free to do that if you if you like. Just as long as not disrespectful or trolling or anything like that. You can do all this by email. You can We charge for the first time in about a month on Tuesday at 10 o'clock. We set around another one the following Tuesday as well at 10 o'clock in Eastern Time. So please note that next two Tuesdays, Inside the Ring is back. And then, of course, next Thursday, we have another NFL kickoff show at 10 o'clock in Eastern Time. So a full week's worth of shows next week. We'll get into our Thanksgiving schedule next week, let you all know how that's going to work. So stay tuned on that. Folks, I hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe. Stay healthy. We'll see you back. For the sports spread at 2 o'clock Eastern Time. Enjoy the football and all the other great sports acts we got coming this weekend. We'll see you on Monday. Have a good one, everyone. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.